Amen. Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, I know Joanne and I were talking. She had a she had a, a bad financial week because she just had to put an AC unit in. I had we basically had ours worked on too. It's too hot to have that kind of that kind of issue. I'm just going to tell you straight up. But praise God, He gives us all financial and spiritual blessings, right? He's given us the opportunities to be able to make money, to be able to have money, to be able to save money. Thank God. And praise God, we're probably going to have some tropical weather that's going to come in here and maybe cool some stuff down. But, um, you know, this week I've been really meditating on, you know, the series that I've been talking about. And, you know, that basically you're so loved has kind of become this this idealism that I have in my head. Whenever I don't feel love or whenever I feel like I can't give love, then that means that I've got to go back to the well. I've got to go back to God and I've got to say, I am loved. And I go find all those scriptures. I go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Well, if you don't know love, then you don't know God, for God is love. You know, hey, how many people remember John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him, I'm a whosoever. You know, I have to go back to those wells and I have to believe that I am loved because if I don't believe it, then I start not loving others. You know, I've... There's been a couple times this week where I didn't feel very loving towards people, and it was because they were being idiots. Okay? It wasn't Heather, okay? It had a lot to do with, you know, stuff that was going on in my job and everything else. But you know what? Even in the midst of the most silliest thing that I had to go through, the most silly because my company wanted to push an agenda. The most silly because my company thinks that, that it's going to keep them out of lawsuits. You know, God's love was still there. You know, there was still middle ground. There was still the ability for us to, to find ourselves in the middle of love rather than the middle of strife and hate and fear. And so, you know, the Lord's really been putting this on my heart because you know, sometimes I don't want to do some of the first, first Corinthians 13 stuff. I really don't want to. I mean, I want to be honest with you. I mean, can I be honest? I mean, if we're not honest as a people, we'll never change. I mean, that is truth. If you are not honest with yourself, you will always fool someone else, but you'll also fool yourself. So you have to say, you know what? Honestly, I don't know if I agree with what I'm hearing or what I just read. You were playing that game last night. I was playing that game last night. One lie and one truth or whatever it was. We were playing fibbage and, you know, we were all having to make up lies. Do you know that we all make up lies for our life? Oh, I'm perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, things are going great for me. Oh, all this stuff's happening but I, I'm, I'm getting by. That's great. Some of that, though, 
is I really needed help. I really needed to have a conversation. I really needed somebody to build me up. But I was too ashamed, too embarrassed, or too something else in order to have a connection with someone so that I could get what I needed. You know, God uses people as much as He uses the Holy Spirit. You know, in my lifetime, I've had the Holy Spirit tell me I love you multiple times. I felt God's love. But you know what? I've also had people like my buddy, uh, Jerome Taylor, he sends me text messages all the time with scriptures and tells me how much God loves me. You know, I have people like uh, Alan Lissa Duke. They send me text messages. They send me, they call me. They tell me how much God loves me. I have, <laughs> I have Brad and Selena Holloman that not only do they call me or text me or tell me something, they also, they get together with me every month and they, they, we have dinner together and they tell me how much they love me. You know what? I have everybody in this room that every Sunday we get together, we have a meal, we laugh, and that tells me that you love me. You know, that's the beauty of this is that God so loved the world that he gave and he kept giving. And you know what? You're so loved because if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have done it. He would have just said, nope. I'm not going to send my son down there. Y'all a bunch of crazy folks. I mean, I got news for you. I wouldn't send Kaylee or Caleb to a crazy place. Now, they may decide to go there, but I'm not going to send them there. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send them into the craziest place that I know. A fallen world so that they will know I love them. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8. These are the things that I sometimes have a problem with. Just going to be honest with you. Love suffers long in verse 4. It's, it, love suffers long is kind. There's an and here. It's not in the Greek. I, I want you to know this. I've, I've said this before. Love that suffers long is kindness. Kindness is the definition of suffering somebody. A lot of times we think kindness is being nice. I really like you. You know, I'm going to be real, I'm going to be real nice to you. Do you know that there's some people that suffer long and they're not? They don't have to be nice. They're still kind. I know that blows some people's minds because we think that being kind has this over joyous, bubbly type thing. But you know what? When I suffer long with someone, I'm being kind to them. Kind of nice. Well, not nice. Kind of. Kind of nice. Yeah. But what I want you to understand is that love that suffers long is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It doesn't puff up. Verse 5, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Verse 6 says, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. I want you to understand this word truth here is where we have to divide these next couple. Okay? Because I've had people use these next couple against me. 
especially non-Christian people. Because it was like, well, brother, you're not loving people. But for these simple reasons. Verse 7 says, bears all things, believes all things. Oh, that's a, believes all things. That's the one that usually I get hit with if I'm talking to somebody who's not a Christian. Well, then you just need to believe all things. That's what true love is. Well, if you got to believe what I believe, you got to agree with me. Well, no, no, I don't. Because that word all things has got like 50 words. Go look it up in the Greek. It's pass. When you go look it up, depending on the context is how they use the word. But King James got a little bit lazy. And he decided to just say, eh, all things. And it says, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But I want you to understand there's these words right here. Bears, endures, and in all things. The word bear is stigato, and it means to roof over, to cover with silence, endure patiently. This word endure is a different word than bear. Now, there is a context of endurance inside of bear, but it is a completely different word in the Greek, and it's uh, hypomeneo, and it means to bear like a trial. It means to have fortitude, to preserve, abide, endure, take patiently, sufferly, or tarry behind. Now, as you can see, I put up some some graphics here, and it's one that's like fire raining down, and there's a guy with a shield, and he's protecting himself and a little kid. That's like bearing something. There's something coming at us. There's, there's things that I'm having to take on. Well, that's bearing a burden, bearing other people's burdens. But see, right here it says in verse 7, bear all things. That word also, based upon the context in the Greek, means bear whatsoever means whatever's coming at you love is able to have you bear it out you're able to take on all of these things it covers you love covers you so you can take it on and see it says what it believes all things no it doesn't believe all things love <laughs> believes in whosoever. That's still a part of this pass. Whosoever. So I can believe in Heather even when she doesn't believe in herself. I can believe in, in Dad, Jack, over here, even though he may not be doing the right thing. I mean, he may have a, a weed eater that barely runs and we went to go get it. But, but I still believed him and went over there. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that believing in people is a part of love. I believe people. I don't believe what they do is right. That's not what it's saying. Because there's a little piece of this in verse 6 that we have to go back to, but rejoices in truth. I can't, I can't undo that one. So in truth, I have to go back and say, oh, believes all things in whomsoever. That means that I get to sit here and go, 
I'm going to believe that the best outcome can happen for Joanne and Carol and Dad and Heather and everybody. And so I'm going to keep putting in. I'm going to keep loving. But see, this is where we get into the the good things here, okay? It hopes thoroughly. It endures thoroughly. See, our actual love, the agape kind of love, it chooses to believe the best. It chooses to endure pressure. It chooses to endure things. I'm going to be honest with you. Charlie, you're one of the kindest person I know. Lord just told me to tell you, you're the kindest, one of the kindest persons that I know. And he just said it by the Spirit. He said, you've been kind. You've endured. You've been kind. And you've endured. Take that because you've been kind and endured. There is nothing that you have to, you have to be apologetic for. There's nothing that you have to, to look for outside of this. Your agape love, your choice to do this, it is kindness. Stand on whatever that is. And don't let the devil, don't let other people tell you any differently. You, my friend, are kind. Just a little bit of a sidetrack, but you know, the the Holy Spirit wants people to know. Holy Spirit wants people to know that what they're doing means something. It means something. What you do every single day means something. It absolutely means something. And you know what? Just because you love doesn't mean that others have to love you back. But your kindness, your love, your purpose has to do with enduring and bearing. Do you know that that all of these things right here, this love, this agape kind of love, doesn't take into effect whether or not I like you, whether or not I, I think well of you, because that's not what it's asking you to do. It's not asking you to think well of. It's, it's not even saying, be nice. I know that some people are going to have issue with that. Being nice is supposed to be love. Agreement is supposed to be love. But that's not love. Love is not being nice. Love is not agreeing. Do you think of parents being nice when they spank their child? Great example. Do you know that I'm kind because I'm loving my kid? I'm trying to keep them from eventually going to jail or, or having a problem because I spank them. Spare the rod, spoil the child, right? Great example because you know what? Being nice doesn't get the job done. Being nice doesn't, but kindness endures. It's patience. Do you know that that's the things that are on the inside of us? That's the things that, that basically uphold us to be able to do those things. But then there's other parts of it that when we cover and act on others' behalves. You know, we can be in the midst of the worst trials of our own life and love 
that endures will actually, it does a couple things. And we're going to see it here in the scripture, but it's going to have an action. It's going to go out. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 4 through 7, it says, For in fact, we were told of you before when we were uh, with you that we would suffer tribulations. So Paul is in jail right now, okay? So he went and told them, he goes, hey, you know, Jesus is Lord. They saw it, they believed, they, they embraced it. They were having church. They were doing all the things that you would normally see. And Paul said, I'm gonna let you know because I'm preaching this message. There's gonna be some stuff that's gonna happen to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if something happens to me. Because there was churches that when Paul went in jail, they broke up and said, well, I guess God doesn't care about us. God doesn't care about Paul. You know, they struck the leader and they scattered the church, just like Jesus said of the devil to Peter. Do you know that Paul was in jail and he was writing to all these churches and he was telling them something. He told them, he said, for this reason I could no longer endure. This word is stigato. It means to cover. I could not cover with silence. I could not just sit here in jail doing nothing about this. I had to, I had to do something else. I had to take an action. I had to, I had to, put this thing into action. I had to find out more about you. Not about me because I'm in jail. It's the same as it was. But I'm trying to find out about you. And it says, it says, I sent to you to know your faith, least by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love. So they made a choice. They made a choice to trust God and to choose to continue to love God. It says, and that you always having good remembrance of us, greatly desire to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brother, in all afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Do you know that the greatest Anxiety, the greatest angst that Paul had when he was in prison was thinking about those churches and thinking about those people and thinking about how they may be scattered and how people may be coming in and abusing them and how people may be trying to tempt them and how people may be trying to do away with the life force of Jesus that was put on the inside of them. See, Paul was in prison. He was, he was not going to remain silent. Paul was going to say, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to send people to you. I'm going to tell you how much God loves you. I'm going to tell them how much Paul loves. Think about this. I mean, it would be a little bit like this. If, if the person that got you saved, the person that was your spiritual father, let's just say that, if they were killed for their faith or put in prison for their faith, that's hard. That's very, very tough. We don't even understand that here in America because we haven't experienced that kind of 
persecution. But you know that the great thing about the, the leader, the father, is the father's always looking for ways to bless their kids. You know, a father's always looking for ways to bless their kids. You know, some fathers have more than other fathers. I loved how Pastor Jim used to say that, you know, he talked about how some people have a steak in their refrigerator and some people have a potato. You remember how he would say that? And he would say, you know, well, if I'm a good father, I'm going to say, well, there's a steak in there. Go get it. If, if, if I'm the kind of father that has enough. But if I have just a potato and my son's hungry and he says, hey, you know what? Go in there and get the potato. Eat it. It's the last one I got, but it's going to be yours. See, that is the kind of heart that Paul had for the church. That's the kind of heart that he wanted the church to have for each other. He wanted us all as a family to have that agape kind of love. One of the things I love about Paul was that you know, he, he basically was embracing the church of Thessalonica just like a, just like a child. And see, I use the, the prodigal son as an example here because that father, it says in the, in the telling of the prodigal son that Jesus did, he said the father saw him in the field. That meant that the father was constantly looking for his son. Think about that. If your son was gone, if your daughter was gone, if something had happened, just think about you would constantly, every time the phone would ring, you would go, hello? Hey, is this this Dusty? You know, that's the way that Paul was looking at this. It was bothering him so bad he didn't know about his spiritual children He wanted to send and know about them. He wanted to see them. And that's what he did, is he sent people to go protect, to go tell how much he loved them. You know, one of the the things I want to bring up here is that when we can't love, God does it for us. You know that, that when we have issues with bearing and and understanding God's love for us, God says, well, I guess I'll just do it for you. Even in the most craziest, outlandish things that we may do, such as murder. That's one of the worst things that you could do is you could take someone else's life. But let me just say this. You know, when, when God put us on this earth, He didn't leave us alone. He came to be with us. In fact, in Genesis 4, 9 through 13, this is probably one of the most used and misunderstood things by TV. Whenever you go and you talk about Cain and Abel, they use this all the time. You watch a football game. This is a battle of Cain and Abel. They don't even understand what happened. I mean, you know, it's like, it was like, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, which one's Cain and which one's Abel in this football game? I mean, what are we talking about here? But most people love the, the analogies to, to synopsize this to a place to where we go, ah, oh, I've got a good little buzzword I can create. 
But see, God was actually dealing with someone's heart. A fallen person's heart, but a heart nonetheless. Genesis 4.9 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? By the way, that gets used a lot too. I hear it all, all the time. You know, um, you know, you'll say, well, where's such and such? Well, am I my brother's keeper? It gets used every, every so often at work. Well, am I supposed to keep up with him today? In verse 10, it says, And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth and received your brother's blood from your hands. Verse 12 says, When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you will shall become on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. So, you know, if you read anything in Genesis previous to this, you know, it's believed that Cain basically, you know, tilled the ground because it said that he tilled the ground, he planted. Very good at it. His brother raised cattle you know, sheep and goats and pigs and everything else. But what we, what we see here is that essentially God's punishment towards Cain was going to be, hey, you no longer will be able to rest anywhere. You'll constantly be trying to find food. You'll constantly have the earth not produce anything for you, which was his which was his gift. That was the thing that he was great at. I mean, I think about ourselves right now. We, you know, Heather constantly calls my mom or calls her mom and says, hey, I think I'm killing this plant. <laughs> it's definitely not my wife's, you know, or maybe Amy. Maybe, you know, Heather will call Amy. But, you know, at the end of all this, Heather's gift is not that. But let's just say for an example, you know, God, you know, Heather's a, a great teacher, and God said, well, one of your punishments is you can't teach anymore. You know, if it was truly something that was, that was in her heart, that would be a punishment that she would say, this punishment is greater than I could bear. So, in verse 14, God says, well, I'll bear it for you. Do you know that that's how much God loved Cain? See, we think that Cain got cursed. Now, God said, this is what's going to happen to you. And then Cain did something and said, hey, this punishment's too much for me. Please have mercy on me. And in verse 14, it says, surely you have driven me out this day. This is talking of Cain from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon them sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain. Now, especially back in the 80s and 90s, there was like the Highlander was supposed to be a, a 
derivative of Cain. You know, all, all these different movies were created to say, ah, oh, they, they, were, they were given this power. They could no longer stay in one place. They had this mark. that they, they were constantly in strife and fighting and all that. But that wasn't biblical. Because what God said before and what God says next, He nullified it because of His love for Cain. And it says unto him, it says, it says, least anyone find him and kill him. Verse 16 says, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch, not the same one that, that God took. And he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch. Do you know that God's love for Cain come out through his mercy? You know, God came out and said, hey, I'm going to give you this punishment because of what you've done. But then Cain said, have mercy on me. I don't think I can bear this. And God said, well, then I'll bear it for you. I'm actually going to put a mark of God over you so that no one will kill you. I'm going to bring sevenfold on people who would try it. Now, that doesn't sound like a curse to me. I mean, he went and built a city and had kids and was a people. I mean, all the way up until the flood, Cain's people were huge. It was a huge city. I mean, it talks about people like Tubal Cain that made... Um, he made uh, steel weapons and girders and things of that nature. He was, a, he was a steel smith. All of these people came, there was the whole line of people that came from Cain's lineage. Doesn't sound like he was cursed. You know, God loved him and said, you know what? You didn't have anybody teaching you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to put a mark over you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make you I'm, you're going to come become a city? See, it's totally different than what we've been taught about Cain. God had mercy on Cain because he loved Cain. That's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. When I first, when I first read this, I read it through the filter of Cain was a vagabond that walked around the earth and all this other stuff. And I actually had people teach this to me. And then I read it again later on and just said, that's not what the word says. No, God had mercy and he loved Cain. And I'm going to close with this scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I'll give you rest. You know that my, my friend Jerome Taylor sent me this scripture this morning. I already had this scripture. I was going to put it into another, but I decided this morning after he sent it to me to separate it out. I, I decided to put it on its own template by itself so that we could take just a second to soak it in. You know that when we're tired and we've carried heavy burdens, you know, Jesus not only did this for Cain, he not only did it for David when he messed up, David murdered. You know, all the, 
the heavy burdens that has been laid upon all the people of the Bible, God constantly made a way for them. God constantly gave them opportunities. God gave them the ability to shed their burden and put it off on him. That's how much God loves you. So when you think you're enduring a burden, you know the greatest thing you can do is you can turn to God and say, my burden is too heavy. Lord, help me. Do you know that a couple of years ago, I used to think I had to take on my burdens? And then the Lord said, you know, half my problem, half my problem is that I don't give these burdens up for rest. You know, during the week, there'll be a small burden. You know, a little one, I can handle the little ones. You know, the Lord says, give those to him too. You know, I want you to understand that you're not supposed to be carrying any burdens. Amen. Yes. Have you ever gotten that little bit like, oh, I got all this stuff I got to do. I got all these things I'm supposed to be doing. And you got that pit in your stomach. You know, it happens all the time. Turn right around to God and say, God, I give this burden to you. I'm not going to carry it on me anymore. Does that mean that you don't have to deal with things? No, you have to deal with things. But the thing is, is that he lightens it. When, it. when it comes here, he gives you a rest. So now, as I'm doing it, I'm not doing it as a chore. Like, oh gosh, I got to do this. No, I'm doing it in the rest of God. That means that he opens up opportunities for me. He gives me the, the knowledge to do it. You know that I've got this huge project coming up and they keep changing stuff on me and I just, I got really upset like week before last. And you know, and I, I just was carrying it. It was just, it was just, I felt it eating away on the inside of me. And I, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I can't carry this no more. I said, I need your help. I need for something to release this. And you know, the Lord actually sent some people to me. I got emails from some people in my company that said, how can I help? You know, God will sit there and go, hey, thanks for asking. I'm going to go talk to Jimmy. I'm going to go talk to Joanne. And they're going to call you. And they're going to say, how can I help you with this? Now I need to distribute. You know, that's what the body of Christ is all about. We're supposed to distribute the weight. I said this last week. There's a guy laying on spikes, a guy standing on his chest, but when the weight was distributed out, the spikes didn't go into his back. It's because I can still rest laying on a bed of nails. In fact, in India, there's actually people who actually sleep on a bed of nails. It's pretty crazy, I think I'd go with my Tempur-Pedic, but I want you to know that if you're tired and you're carrying a heavy burden, quit carrying it. Turn right around and say, Lord, huh, sorry for carrying this burden. Give me rest. Take this burden off of me. Because that now gives me the ability to actually finish the race. This doesn't mean, mean i got to go sit down. Oh, well, now I'm resting. 
No, it means that whatever I'm supposed to be doing that was burdening me, now I do it in rest. I, I have the ability, I have the, the know-how, I have all the resources because God is saying, hey, I'll distribute those resources in order for you to be able to do everything you're supposed to do in rest. Amen. Did you learn something today? Amen. Amen.